You're listening to Jim and Mike Talk. Recording at the, did you say, seven studios in beautiful Washington, New Jersey. Hey, everybody, this is Tom Velasquez, host of the Paranormal Patriot Podcast. If you like the paranormal, supernatural, conspiracy, spirituality, or even politics, do yourself a favor and tune into my show every week, The Paranormal Patriot. It can be found on Spotify, it can be found on Google Play and our host site, Podbean. Again, if you like the paranormal, spirituality, supernatural, conspiracies, or politics, do yourself a favor and listen to my show, The Paranormal Patriot. Now, let's get to what you were really looking forward to, Jim and Mike Talk. Take it away, Jim and Mike. Uh, this is Jim. Yeah, and this is Mike. And <laughs> welcome to Jim and Mike Talk. What number we got, Jim? We, this is show number nine. Yes. Number nine. We got a number really nine. good show for you today. Number nine. So uh, the main event that listeners are going to hear later, Jim? We will be interviewing Mr. J. Rowe. He's a jazz pianist from Connecticut. And that is our first interview. Yeah, that's a good one, too. It's usually just uh, Jim and Mike in the studio. Mm-hmm. And that's coming up after this first segment, which is This Day in Music History. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Jim, can I start it off? Yeah, yeah. Hey, before I do, uh, what are you drinking? I'm having a uh, cider. It's a Melix hard cider. All right, that sounds good. Gluten-free. Good, good. And this is from uh, Oldwick, New Jersey, which is pretty close to where I live. Yeah. So it's local brew. Yeah, that's good. Pressed and manufactured and distributed locally. Yes. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> I want to say, too, Jim, it's great to be here in the studio again for the first time in two months, right? We had the COVID edition, um, and it, it seems like even longer than... I think it was three months. Oh, wow. That's why it seems a little yeah, longer. We yeah. haven't uh, been in the same place uh, since March. Yeah. Wow. So good to be here. So uh, on this day in music history, if I can get to that. So uh, this was on... The 20th of June, 1969, and it was the first of a three-day festival in Newport, California. It featured Ike and Tina Turner, Marvin Gaye, Credence Clearwater Revival, The Birds, The Rascals, Steppenwolf, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, which I'm going to talk about in a second, Janis Joplin, Johnny Winter, Eric Burden, and a little-known band named Love. A three-day ticket cost $15, which happens to be the same price as my first concert. We talked about Mm -hmm. that. And uh, Jimi Hendrix received $125,000 for his appearance. At the time, it was the highest fee ever paid for a rock act for a single appearance. So uh, I looked it up, and in today's dollars, he was paid $875,000 for the one show. That's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. So, you know, we we look back at Hendrix, and we think, what a great guitarist, how popular, even though it was short-lived. He really was paid. He was yeah. high paid, even even for the short time that he was uh, performing. In 69, he uh, probably wasn't around 
that long no. uh, but was gaining you know mm -hmm. momentum is he part of the 27 club who died at age 27 uh, yes. i think he is mm -hmm. yeah and we can go talk about that someday okay so i have uh this was 51 years ago on june 20th 1969 david bowie recorded space oddity at trident studios in london the track went on to become a UK number one when re-released in 1975. Written about the launch of Major Tom, the fictional astronaut, Bowie would later revisit his Major Tom character in the songs Ashes to Ashes, Halo Space Boy, <laughs> and Black Star, which right. is a great album. That was Bowie's last album. I remember that reference in Black Star. You turned yeah. me on to uh, Bowie's, you gave me Bowie's latest one uh, right, uh, right around time of his death. This uh, date, uh, again, 20th of June. We're jumping ahead to 1992. Mariah Carey scored her sixth U.S. number one single with I'll Be There, and also made it to number two hit in the U.K. That song was also a U.S. number one hit by the Jackson Five in 1970. So, so many years later, 22 years <clears throat> later, she <clears throat> comes and she brings uh, I'll Be There right there to the top again. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. And then did she do the screech? I'm not sure. <laughs> Be there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Mariah is, speaking of the screech, you know, they call that um, whistling. When okay. she takes it up, 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 and it's so high, uh -huh. it's, it's a whistle. Breaks glass. Yeah, it's a whistle. And uh, hmm. Mariah is one of the few people that can do that so well. So uh, 16 years ago, on June 20th, 2004, mm -hmm. organizers at a Paul McCartney gig hired three jets to spray dry ice into the clouds. Wow. So it wouldn't rain during the concert. Now, I've never heard this before. So. Yeah, altering the weather. And this wow. doesn't say if it worked or not, but maybe they hoped it worked and it worked. But Right, well, if it wasn't going to rain anyway, then it didn't rain. Now, the gig in uh, Petersburg, Russia, was McCartney's 3,000th concert appearance. 3,000 concerts. Wow. Can't, cannot imagine. Now this, yeah, and that was 2004. And uh, mm. he had performed 2,535 gigs with the Quarrymen and the Beatles. And the Quarrymen was, you know, predated mm. the Beatles. Mm -hmm. So they must, they probably did a lot of, I don't think the Beatles played that many concerts. So it must have been mostly the Quarrymen. Mm -hmm. uh, Got it. And they played, probably played the same clubs or they could have played, you know, twice a night or... Mm -hmm. And 140 gigs with Wings, and 325 solo shows. Wow. So. Sir Paul McCartney. Yes. Who visited us here in the studio just last month. I think. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, hopefully he'll come back. Yeah. This day in music history, 20th of June, going back 12 years now to 2008, American singer and songwriter Jimmy Buffett announced that his Margaritaville Holdings had partnered with New York gambling company Coastal Marina to buy the Trump Marina Hotel and Casino for $316 million. Okay, so you got Jimmy Buffett buying out uh, Trump Marina Hotel and Casino. Uh, his vast business empire also included tequila, beer, frozen food, footwear, restaurants, mm -hmm. a resort, a record label, and a recording studio. It's <laughs> a lot of holdings. Quite so the... Quite the business, man. So um, Rolling Stone magazine, back 14 years ago, estimated his earnings to be, and his value to be, $44 million. So in today's dollars, again, I calculated. So Jimmy Buffett, uh, in today's dollars, is worth $52 million. Okay. Margaritaville. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I'll drink to that. 
four years ago, this is only four years ago, and uh, you may have heard about this, uh, lawyers for Led Zeppelin asked the judge to throw out a case accusing the band of stealing the riff for Stairway to Heaven. Singer Robert Plant, guitarist Jimmy Page, and Warner Music argued that the claimants had failed to make their case after three days of testimony. Now, I remember this being, <clears throat> being in the, on the TV and in the news. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard both songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does sound really similar. And uh, apparently, this is the band Spirit toured with Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened for Zeppelin. So they knew the guys. You never know. Right, it no. can be, uh, Jim, it can be in your mind subconsciously. Oh, you, yeah. You hear a riff, mm-hmm. it's catchy, and it's good. Yeah. And you're a musician, it, 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 can, come, it can come out. Oh, know? yeah. Mm-hmm. So the band were accused of basing Stairway on the 1968 spirit song Taurus. Now, I have an update. This is actually from uh, March of this year. So if you're wondering how this came out, this is from uh, CNN.com. The legendary rock band Led Zeppelin won a major copyright battle on Monday over claims that parts of their song, Stairway to Heaven, were stolen. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a jury verdict that found that Stairway to Heaven did not infringe on the 1968 song Taurus by the rock band Spirit. That's from March 10th. So Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin wins then? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, when you do, when you do, I won't take this too far, but, you know, when you do listen to the original by Spirit, yeah, it's similar, but it's really not the same. I mean, there is, there's these sounds that are, you know, it's different. Yeah, and I know. What's, what's your take on it? Yeah, and is that, I mean, maybe you can tell, is, is that an instrumental by uh, Spirit? Or I it's, know the beginning sounds like. Yeah, it's the riff. It's the way the guitar notes are played. It's similar, but it's not the same. Yeah. So is it stealing if it's just a little similar? Yeah, so you, you're taking part of a song that maybe sounds similar, but if the song, I'm not familiar with the song, mm-hmm. Taurus, uh, I'm assuming it might have lyrics, but of course, it wasn't anything to do with the lyrics, it was just those, it was a series of notes. Yeah, a combination of, combination of notes and their timing, and it sounded like it hinted towards it, you know, yeah. but, uh, so Led Zeppelin wins. Yeah. So Jim, well, uh, we got the main event coming up. Yeah, next up... Uh, we have an interview with Jay Rowe, so stay tuned. Today we have a special guest on the show. He's recorded four studio albums, starting with his debut in 1997 called Jaywalking, 2001's Laugh Out Loud, 2006 Red Hot and Smooth, 2006 Smooth Ride, and a live album from 2011 called Live at Daniel Street. He has collaborated with Bruce A. Barrettbin, Winston Bennett Project, and Pat Denizio from the Smithereens on his album This Is Pat Denizio. He's also one of the organizers and performers for the annual benefit concert Smooth Jazz for Scholars. So let's welcome jazz pianist and all-around nice guy, Mr. Jay Rowe. Yeah. Thank you, Jim and Mike. <laughs> Jay, it's good to meet you. My name's Mike, and even if it's just... All right, Mike. Yeah, even if it's just virtually, it's great to meet you. I uh, traveled over to the studio here with Jim in New Jersey. I traveled to uh, put Red Hot and Smooth on and uh, the first song, and then got to Jim's driveway. It was last song, so that's how long it took me to get over here. That's perfect. <laughs> I, enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed it. Love, uh, love East Coast, West Coast. I think that's my fave off that one. 
Oh, cool. Thank great. you. Yeah, great. So how are you doing during the, uh, this quarantine? Uh, I know you're doing some live streaming. You do the Tito Tuesdays. Yeah, and I do a uh, yeah when I'm when I'm when I'm home I've been doing a a Saturday uh, I call it my solo piano cocktail hour date night. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, I usually do that. that. How long is that? Like the well, that goes for for like for like two hours. Um, you know, it's it's been um, it's it's funny because this whole quarantine thing. You know, when it started, it was it was it was getting into late March. Right. So, so, you know, we just, we just got, um, you know, back onto daylight savings time, but the weather was still kind of cold. So, so, you know, six o'clock at night, people were, 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 were home at that point. Um, It seems like now that, that, that the weather's warmer and it's, and it's, it's, it's lighter out now. People are going um, Maybe. Yeah, they're staying out longer. So, yeah. you know, I've been starting between six thirty and seven. And and I end up I end up, you know, going for two hours. And mm-hmm. you know, the cool thing about Facebook Live is that, you know, people can replay it at their at their at their own convenience. So, you know, I host watch parties, maybe four four watch parties or so after after I've I've done, you know, one of these Facebook live shows. And that works really well. Because you know there are people in different parts of the country in different time zones or even overseas mm-hmm. you know who can, who can who are able to you know to watch when it's convenient for them yeah, it works out well with facebook yeah yeah now do you miss you probably miss the live shows you how many shows do you, you usually do a year well i mean i'll I'll play between clubs and private parties and concerts. Um, I'm probably playing 200 times a year. Okay. Wow. wow. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much my main thing. Yeah. You know, I definitely miss, um, I miss the live shows. I've liked, I've liked the fa- the Facebook live has, has been convenient. That's for sure. And you do get you to know. interact with, uh, your fans on there. It's a lot of interaction. I mean, yeah. I feel, I feel that there's as much dialogue between me and and the people commenting as there is if I was doing a live show, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Just don't have I, the eye to eye contact or the you know the shaking of the hands, you know, the getting up close like that, right? No, but it's interesting to be able to talk to people. You know, I mean, when you feel like you're having a conversation, yeah, um, you know, as people type in, I, I can't talk. To, it's not like a Zoom meeting or something like we're talking yeah. now, but but there is interaction and i'll comment on something somebody posts and then and then they'll write back and mm-hmm. and as long as i see it um it's great that the technology is out now you know for covid19 it's it's a good timing for facebook live it re- well it really is you know what what it's what it's done is it's it's given it's it's given people the ability to like <laughs> have a talk show in in, in their home yeah <laughs> you know any anybody could do it. I mean, if this were like 1968, this wouldn't be happening. No. <laughs> hey, Jay, I know you uh, you live in Milford, Connecticut. Uh, is that where you yeah. grew up? Is that where you spent most of your time going back in yes. history? Yes. That is so. That is your home area then. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, when did you start taking an interest in playing piano? This is going way back here. Uh, you know, were you one of those kids that were forced to, to take piano lessons and such? Well, I'll put it like this. I mean, I, I was very aware of music, you know, from the time I was a, a, a child, you know, a toddler, really. I mean, I was asking for Beatles records for Christmas, you know, <laughs> when, 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 when I was four. So I didn't start, I started out at first taking guitar lessons mm -hmm. when I was eight. And, and I had, you know, I had a teacher who was, who was very, very methodical, strictly, you know, guitar playing made easy for everyone, books mm -hmm. one through five. And I mean, he didn't teach me any differently than he taught the kid who was more interested in baseball down the street whose parents thought maybe he should also play an instrument. Right. Whereas, you know, I had a pretty deep connection with music um, very early on. Um, so, you know, but I did that for a while. You know, I was a good kid. I was respectful of my teacher. I practiced my lessons every week even if it was on top of old Smokey and instead of sunshine of your love. Um, you know. Yeah. And, and, and so that, that went on for about a year, you know, guitar lessons for about a year. And then, then I took, you know, about a year off between third and fourth grade. Um, I didn't have any music lessons at all, at all. Then right before fifth grade started, my mom uh, got me taking piano lessons again. Okay. And the, the funny thing about the piano, now having, having taken guitar lessons, you know, guitar can be not as visual an instrument as piano, meaning that the piano looks the same, really, from left to right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a little easier, you know, once you start playing and once you start you know, messing around a little bit. The piano for me was an easier, even though I was taking formal p piano lessons and, and in a very traditional kind of way, um, mm -hmm. the piano was easy for me to start figuring out chords on my own and then learning how to play songs that I liked and that I wanted to play. Mm -hmm. Right. Once you, once you intuit that, once you have that and you find it yourself, you find those chords on your own, they're, they're there forever. <laughs> That's know? right. Next. Yep. And I mean, and it was, and it was kind of a step-by-step -step process. You know, in the beginning it was, you know, I always, I always tell people the first, the first song I learned off of a record, you know, by myself was at the hop <laughs> from, the, from, the, from the good old American graffiti soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back in nineteen seventy four, you know, American Graffiti was 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 that soundtrack really uh made people aware of fifties of music. Oh, yeah. You know, fifties and early sixties music all over again. That was the first time I heard Buddy Holly. That was the first time I heard Chuck Berry. Yeah. Um that was the first time I heard the Beach Boys. Or no, well not the first time I heard the Beach Boys, but the first time I heard, you know, early Beach Boys. Yeah. Because Surf and Safari, you know, here, here's because I know you guys are into old movies and stuff like that and all, and, and you know, mm -hmm. um, first of all, it's, it's interesting, you know, American Graffiti was the first movie that ever hired an official music supervisor to clear all those copyrights. Wow. For, yeah. for all those songs. 
And um, and mo- and even though and even though the story of that of that movie was 1962, I think Surf and Safari by the Beach Boys was the only song on that soundtrack that was actually released in 1962. <laughs> wow. You know, but that, but that one soundtrack really introduced me to, you know, so much early rock and roll between Buddy Holly and uh, the Platters. It was, it, it was really a brilliant soundtrack. And for a guy like me, you know, who was going to become a musician, if, if there was what they might call a watershed moment as far as beginning the journey uh, into pop music, that soundtrack was it. You know, the first song I figured out on my own came from that soundtrack. And that um, was on guitar? Or? That was on piano. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because At The Hop has that, okay. you know. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's bouncy. <laughs> yeah, that famous piano part, you mm-hmm. know. I played the solo and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so when, uh, when I was 11. When I was like 10 or 11, you know, 10 going on 11. That's great. Yeah. So when did you, yep. did you start playing uh, professionally? Well, I start, you know, it's funny because after, after fifth grade, I, you know, I had, I had my first band in sixth grade. Okay. And, and I, think, I think I did my first paid gig when I was 12. Cool. Uh, we, made five, we made five bucks each. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't really start to play professionally on a more regular basis till probably I was 16. Okay. You know, little gigs were coming in, you know, here and there. I had really gotten much more into playing playing jazz at that point. Yeah, okay. Um, although, you know, I always was learning uh you know the, the 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 rock songs of the day and and very aware of of what was going on you know i mean so Jay, that's, I, pretty, that's pretty early i mean 16 even then you're recognizing this could be my this could be something i'm doing this would be a vocation my identity a piece of me even you knew well, that well it was it was my identity even before that i mean yeah. music 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 was always you know my identity from the really from the it was it was my my identity as a very young fan (laughs) as a child you know when we were you guys are east coast guys i mean if you remember wabc and cousin brucey and you know the countdown what was the number one record you know i knew when i was eight the older kids in the neighborhood who were also listening to WABC would say, Jay, what's the number one record in the nation this week? And, yeah. And I knew. Yeah, I remember the, the New Year's Eve countdown. I think I was 10 or 9. Yeah. And uh, the first yeah. time I stayed up late and listened to that on the radio, while well, who knows what my parents were doing. Uh, that was, it's a, it's a, ter- it's a, it's a coming of age, uh, you know, like, wow. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It, um. You know, so that was it. But by the time, you know, one of my one of my oldest best friends remembers writing, you know, coming with me to to one of my piano lessons, and I and every week, you know, whatever if it was a Wednesday, I, f- I forget what day. <laughs> I remember a lot of things. I don't remember what day my piano lessons were in fifth and sixth grade, but <laughs> but I do remember riding my bicycle, yeah. you know, 
God, probably a good three miles or so, you know, to, to, to go to my piano lesson. Well, right? get, the blood, get the blood pumping, right? Before you get the, you know, your fingers on the keys, get, you know, you were awake, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, <laughs> ride the bike there. What was, what was really funny, you know, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't ridden a bicycle in a very long time. Um, from the time I was 16, I started biking again, like in my early 30s, you know. Yeah. But once once I'd gotten my driver's license, I kind of abandoned yeah. bike riding. Now now it's my favorite source of exercise. Wow, that's you cool. know, yeah. And I'm not like a crazed rider or anything. But when I think about that as a kid, you know, I probably rode you know a good three miles, you know, on my to to to, to go to my piano lesson once a week. And and one of my oldest friends remembers coming to one of my piano lessons. And thinking, oh my God, you're riding all this way to go to piano lessons. <laughs> and, what, and what he'll never forget, and what he reminds me of, he says, and you said to me, but this is what I want to do, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like for a live, you know, so I knew as a 12 year old, you know, 11, 12 year old, that that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, and it was, I, I was a terrible athlete. <laughs> you know, if I, if I had been good at too many other things, there weren't, there, there was not much in my life at all that made me the least bit unique amongst my peers mm -hmm. and, and and music was the the only thing i had you know to to stand out right did you at all did you right. have any and, um, any other any other jobs though other than a musician or is that <laughs> yeah done? my my only two jobs my <laughs> only two jobs other than playing music in mm -hmm. 57 years has been my paper route. Okay. I had one. I worked, I worked, I worked as a telemarketer <laughs> one summer when I was 15. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, and I went to music school and going to music school for me was the same as going to college. You know, it was a four year program. I came out with a bachelor of music degree and, and I worked in the cafeteria. Right. Because, because I didn't want to starve. You know, I knew, you know, all I ever heard about growing up was starving college students. And I thought, I'm not going to be a starving college student, so I'll work in the cafeteria. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. And I loved, I loved working in the cafeteria. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. So, yeah, so the focus really was music because, you know, I'm not, you're not really looking at a career and the other things you mentioned. So, uh that's good to, no. good to get, get, get the dream early and run with it. Uh, that's excellent, Jay. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's been, like I always say, up to this moment, it's been a damn good run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what, what's one of your favorite songs that you've recorded that was maybe, uh, you know, that's fun to play or something, um, something you can go I back mean, to? I like playing all, you know, I like playing all of them for different reasons, mm -hmm. but probably um well there's there's a there's a couple favorites i mean i'm thinking of you know some of the stuff i've been playing lately and there's probably i don't you know it's it's funny because because like you know the tune off of uh laugh out loud that's now that's also on the live the live cd is a solo piano tune mm -hmm. pleasure island that's one of my okay. favorite tunes to play okay. um i like playing east coast west coast Cool. A lot of mention. More now. <laughs> well, because that, that tune is a great tune. You know, like if I got to go total showtime, you know, like, like 
I could actually make an entrance during that tune because it starts with the bass and drums. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, they could get the groove going. Yeah, well, uh, Jay, I'm a, I'm a drummer, so probably that's why I chose that one. I really like the beat, and then, of course, you just you just go off with it in piano, but uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's a great song. I'm going to listen to it some more as well. Thanks. Yeah, that, that tune, you know, what was interesting about that, that particular CD, Red Hot and Smooth, yeah. um, I didn't do... I didn't do that. I, I I didn't do any radio promotion on that on that CD. Yeah. Um, any marketing I did was through a company called SmoothJazz.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But they they're they're great. I mean, they're they're I've recommended them to a lot of different artists, and they have a huge following. Um, with their website. I mean, half a million to a million listeners on their internet radio station. And that exposure through, through them kept red hot and smooth pretty much alive, you know, for the last 14 years, really. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not like it's a ton of money, but, you know, to get to get to get paid any sort of residual income on a regular basis. I mean, if it, you know, if it ends up paying their utility bills every, every month or, or yeah. <laughs> you know, gas in your car, it's substantial. Right. And um, and the download sales that they generated alone, you know, more than paid for doing the record. Yeah. You know, exactly. so so it's pretty good. Now now my latest CD, which I put out in. 2016 smooth ride yeah um i did more radio promotion on that and that was you know that's that cd's been doing very well that's almost you know four years old now and um it's uh you know the music business is 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 as different as it is a lot of the streaming and and, and, you know, satellite radio and, and all that stuff. And, and you know, the, the cable music channels have created a bit, of, a bit more of a level playing field than there, than there used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, when you were competing against artists on major labels, you know, like, like yeah. in the, I mean, in the, in the early nine, in the, in the mid nineties to early two thousands, you know, when, when I put out my first few CDs, it was like they, they, you were competing against Warner Brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you, know? you, had to, you had to get out there and promote. You had to be heard. You couldn't just be like across the internet. Like you said, I, I agree with you. It's more of a level playing field. Yeah. And I was lucky to be, to be, you know, touring with a number of different artists. You know, I mean, between, between 98, like, well, yeah, like say 1997 and 2000. Well, 2008, really. Mm -hmm. um, I was at that time. I was playing in three different bands that were that were, you know, touring. Oh. Not touring heavily, yeah. but enough where you know, if I crisscrossed across the country 30 times, you know, and played to 50,000 people or so, yeah. wow, <laughs> that was enough. You know, and 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 when I was prominently featured as a side man, um, that was enough for me to have enough of a, enough of a recognizable name where, where, you know, there was, 
more of a national presence than there was just a local presence. Yeah, that's great that you can be that active and not, like you said, not be out on your own alone. You're actually playing with these people, getting the gigs and, and getting heard. Well, it was a good, it ended, for me, it ended up being, you know, a pretty good, a low risk model, you know, that's for sure, because yeah. there's artists who go out there and it's, I mean, I was, re this is, this is the a whole other side of the coin, but I read um, Steve Gorman, the drummer from the Black Crows. Mm -hmm. I read his book that just came out, I don't know, late last year, early this mm -hmm. year. Great book from his perspective about the Black Crows. And, you know, for a lot of rock bands, it seems to be an all or nothing proposition, whether or not, whether or not we were going to be able to make a live, not, I'm not talking about getting rich. I'm talking right. about being, being able to make a living. Yeah. Just you know, right. Yeah. Without, without, without having to have a day job. And then there's, and then there's famous musicians who we know, you know, who did get day jobs when they're, when they, when they were no longer famous. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or not, or not as famous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why, I mean, to me, that's, that's, I, I, I know it happens and mm -hmm. you know, God, with, with the Corona, with, 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 with the whole virus thing that we're dealing with now, any day jobs you can get. Right. right. I mean, so so I much mean, harder just in all the arts. I mean, if you're if you're into, uh, you know, crafts or textiles, you still you still got to get your product out there and you can't, you know. And of course, the Internet's made that easier. But uh, no, it's still it's really hard on anybody in the arts trying to make it uh, make a living. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard to get a day job if you need one. Right. Right. Especially now, you know, with what's going on now. Would we be able to play uh, East Coast, West Coast? Absolutely, yeah, play it. And now from J. Rowe's 2006 release, Red Hot and Smooth, here's East Coast, West Coast.
now back to our interview. So um, let's go on to um, Pat Denizio. Uh, and for those who don't know, Pat was the lead singer of the New Jersey band, The Smithereens. Uh, Pat unfortunately passed away in December 2017. I was, I say I was friends with Pat. We weren't buddies, but he was, Pat, he, he Pat was here was, to your house. Yeah. Pat yeah. was a friend <laughs> to everybody, you know, he met. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested when you first met Pat. I met him. <laughs> I, I met him, but, uh, you know, when, when um, he, well, you know, when I, I was always, a, I was a Smither, Smithereens fan forever. I mean, I never, I never gave up on the Smithereens. Yeah, we never did either. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> eighty-seven. Yeah, the first. Well, it was funny. Stone Pony in 80, 87. Yeah, we tried to get in. And then the Beacon Theater, a great show from up in the balcony there was in eighty-eight. In eighty-eight, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, the first time I ever saw them was was the big, you know, the uh, the Green Thoughts tour. Mm -hmm. Okay. They they played Toad's Place in New Haven, Connecticut. Haven in eighty-eight. Yep. And, um, and, and I, I had bought especially for you. That was, that was the first record I ever, and I had it on vinyl. It's funny because <laughs> I had that record on vinyl and then, you know, when, when CDs became, you know, the norm, oh, yeah. maybe yeah. in 1980, I think in right, really, right about that time. Yeah. Yeah. 86, 87, I think was yeah. when they really CDs, became the norm i think i got if i remember correctly i think i got a cd player for christmas and in, in uh maybe christmas of 85 or christmas okay. of 86 yeah. somewhere around there 87 i got a cd yeah. player. yeah you too yeah joshua tree that was my first cd <laughs> yeah well, I'm remember, your first remember. Kiss and your first cd yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah I my my first CD was actually a Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra because I had heard that classical music was was the most you know worthwhile music to uh, because of all the silence right right yeah um, dynamic yeah mm -hmm. and then and then gradually I I forget what I forget what I got after that but but really the long and short of it is I was refurbishing whatever i had on cassette tape whatever i had on on vinyl um you know i was i was buying duplicates on cd and especially for you uh by the smithereens was one of those records i wish i probably don't have that vinyl anymore i i, I kind of wish i did but you know i i, I remember again <laughs> and, and it was and it was funny because enigma records was also part of well no they were they were distributed by by capital um mm -hmm. and then there were there was another small jazz label at the time it was really funny because i was still you know into into alternative rock and stuff like the smithereens that was so reminiscent of the beatles and the british invasion right um and at the same time i was like soaking up all this newer contemporary jazz you know that would then become what they call smooth jazz i mean smooth jazz is more of a marketing term than anything else you know but it's like so much of our marketing culture you know my theory is you know most i don't think you'll ever see a president with a with a four syllable name because <laughs> people are only capable of remembering three at the most no exactly um, right you know so 
<laughs> so, but it's a way to so, it's a way to be found. It's a way to to find what you want. I think you know the the broad uh, classification smooth jazz. You know, it's that's right. You know, contemporary contemporary jazz. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's six syllables right there. Yeah. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> can't remember it. Smooth. What's two syllables? And it's it's smooth, smooth. jazz. Yeah. yeah, and it's nice saying smooth. Smooth. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> that became the thing. Onomatopoeia, you know? it's called. Yeah. I mean, adult contemporary is even worse. Yeah. You know, the radio chart. The radio chart was was called adult contemporary. Yeah, it's like adult <laughs> coloring books, but I don't want to get into that. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what are they? Coloring books. Mm-hmm. No, I mean we're we're. It's funny we're talking about it, but but it's interesting though. You know, it's it's interesting from a marketing perspective, but but historically, you know, in that time frame of music, there, you know, nineteen eighty five to nineteen to nineteen ninety, really, there there was a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, you know, so the smithereens for me along with Marshall Crenshaw, mm-hmm. um, you know, really tied into what I was listening to in terms of instrumental music, but having my foot, you know, one foot in the, in the power pop rock world as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then at that time I was also, you know, really into, uh, you know, as Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were becoming more popular. You know, my R&B tastes were being indulged as well, you know, hearing all those records. But the Smithereens, having having heard and fell in love with the Beatles music as a child, you know, the Smithereens reinforced that in a, in a slightly more, you know, contemporary way. Yeah, you know, yeah. they were... A little more aggressive. They had their, yeah, they were drawing on that, you know, and had and had their you know had their own sound i mean pat pat is a singer was pro- it is probably the most distinct oh, yeah. baritone voice yes very ever existed in rock and roll mm-hmm. yes besides elvis Costello. Yeah. <laughs> i mean but elvis Costello is a higher baritone and, and yeah. almost a tenor at some point mm-hmm. believe it or not i could actually sing most of the smithereen songs Okay, mm-hmm. and I don't sing, but I could actually sing mm-hmm. most of those songs. Yeah, I like, can hear that. I can hear that in your voice, Jay. That you could be uh, could be similar uh, range, a similar place for that. Because yeah. like you talk, you know, because Pat Pat was a was really a true baritone and made the most of it. You know, like and and mm-hmm. but that, but that's that's when I was first introduced to the Smithereens, and I followed them. I never gave up on them when they when they. Um, went to RCA and did a date with the Smithereens, you know, and that was pretty, that, I don't think there was much of a gap between that record and blow up. I think um, maybe there was two years tops because mm-hmm. I think a date with the Smithereens, if I remember, um, I think that came out in 93, 94, I think. Yeah, you might be right. I think it was 94. Cause I remember I brought that one, one of the first times I was on a tour bus myself. I took that record with me, or the, or the CD, yeah. you know, to, to play on the tour bus. And it was great, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was a great record. And then, then after that, they were kind of in limbo, and they didn't put out another record 
until God saved the smithereens in 99. Yeah. But, they, but, but they never lost consistency, you know? And, and, and so, all right, so here's 1999. So, so uh, three years later, well, four years after that, I'm, I'm about to, I'm planning my wedding, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, this was second marriage and everything. And I, and, and, but I remember, I remember thinking, well, if, well, if, well, if I ever get married again, uh-huh. I want to have, you know, if the sun doesn't shine, <laughs> right. You know, is, 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 is my wife's and my wedding song. Right. Oh, okay. okay. Great. So, yeah. so, so, so a buddy of mine who I was playing with this great drummer, um, Brian Doherty, who, and Brian worked with, uh, they might be giants and, oh, okay. um, free. He recently, he just, he just, he actually just did, um, a new record by Freedy Johnston that has yet to be released, yeah. but that is incredible. Um, look for it. We'll look for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to be coming out. There's a song available on, on iTunes called 20 radios. Mm-hmm. There was another song available called trying to move on. And unfortunately they pulled that off of iTunes. That's not oh. there anymore, but you might be able to find a YouTube video of it or but yeah, no. This if I, I hope this Freedy Johnson record comes out. I mean, from what I hear, Freedy's having reservations about it. But I, I wish I, I'd like to meet Freedy, yeah. So I could tell him how great this record is and how we should put it out. <laughs> so you know, the, yeah. So back to the wedding. So uh, you got this so the wedding wrong yeah. idea. So, so Brian, I mentioned Brian Doherty because he was the one who told me that Pat was doing living room concerts. Mm-hmm. So I went on Pat's website and, and if you wanted to, you know, do, do a, a living room concert with Pat, all you had to do was send him an email and he'd get back to you. And like, he ca- he called me back like the next day, uh-huh. and, you know, and I couldn't believe it, you know, cause like, he's like, Jay, this is Pat. Yeah. Jay, this is Pat. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Jay, Jay, this, this is Pat. I got your message. Now I'm just like, uh, we'll that. talk about, We'll talk about playing your living room concert, yeah. you know. So I, you know, we set it up. I think we, and then and then oh, and then what? What then? What happened? He was playing a gig in Milford, Connecticut. It's some bar, you know. <laughs> he he got this gig up here that was really weird because how he would be playing where he was playing. It was great, you know. It was. Him and Jimmy or uh, him alone there in Milford? Just him alone. Okay. But it was with a band. It was with a band that he knew from, from, from Connecticut. And they had him as a guest. He would constantly oh, right. play, whether it was solo or with the band. Just I mean, always getting out. Because Pat did not do anything else. You know, right. like we talked about, you know, later on with a, as a fans might lose interest. Or they're, they're not on a major label anymore. Uh, getting another job. Yeah, getting yeah, another yeah. job. But Pat, no, he didn't. Pat I don't think tried he everything he could to keep. He know, did fundraising efforts beyond the road. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, back yeah, to the story. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he always did. I mean, you know, and, and so so we played our wedding, right? He plays our wedding. Um, you know, we booked it. We 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 got it all set up, and you know, and and uh, I remember. Oh God, it was really funny because. You know, I thought I don't some something weird kind of happened, and and, <laughs> and 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 I said to him, "Well, what if something else pops up, or 
but he says, nothing else is going to come up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> so, so he does, the, he, he did the wedding. Now the fun, now the funny thing was, I mean, it wasn't funny at the time. I think, you know, <laughs> here's some inside, here's some inside shit. Well, no, actually, no, I didn't. Now, okay. So now I remember I, you know, I paid him a deposit, right? I gave him a deposit. Yeah. Right. Which was like half of his fee. Yeah. So, so he's come, you know, we're at the place and we're, and we're waiting for him. Now, all we were going to do, he was just going to have like a half hour spot. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I made it easy for, I, I made it. Yeah. I treated him, I treated him like the star I thought he was mm -hmm. yeah. and, and made it, and made it as easy as possible for right. him. And, and, and the guys, in, you know, some, the guys in, in my band, Learn, learn, you know, the, the Smithereens tunes that we played, mm -hmm. and um, and he got there late. There was like this big, there was there, there was a big um, there was a, there was a car accident on the George Washington Bridge, and, and 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 I mean, the reception was almost over, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I had to be, I had to be out of there like around six o'clock, right. You're also um, you're also preoccupied because you are you are yeah. getting married that day. Now what what year was we were we we were at the, we were already married. We were at the reception by then. Oh yeah yeah yeah. What year? You was know, it? Uh, two thousand four. The no cell. So he couldn't have called you on a cell phone like they. Oh, we had a cell. No, we had cell phones then. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So 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 he's called like Pat. Where are you? Oh man, I'm still stuck in traffic. Uh, okay. You know, so. So he makes it to the wedding, and, and he gets there, and my band is playing, right? You know, yeah. playing and everything. And so then, and so then we got Pat up, um, you know, quickly because we had about a half hour or so. <laughs> you know, he does his thing, and it's and it's great. I mean, it was it was great. And then you know, we, what do we play? We he played, um, you know, if the sun doesn't shine, he played, he played. Um, we played especially for you yeah and i played with him and then and then we did and then we did we then then he and the guys finished up with 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 a girl like you and then and then pat and i played a little bit like we played surfer girl oh and, yeah uh, you know a couple other things and then and so so you know we're we're hanging out a little bit you know and he, and he says yeah man we should you know we should we should do a record together oh just like that okay yeah. wow so so a year later, um, my brother-in-law, who lives in Texas, goes to see the Smithereens, and I'm not—I don't even think we didn't know that he was going to see them, right? Mm -hmm. So we got a call. I don't know. It's around like 11, almost midnight or something. The phone rings. It's my brother-in-law, and he's backstage with Pat and Jim, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, hey, I'm backstage. And Pat gets on the phone. He says, "Yeah, Jay, this is Pat. Listen, I'm home in a couple weeks. I'm going to call you. You know, we got to, we got to, we got to do this record." Yeah, I'm like, "Okay." So, so he called me. You know, I go to, I go down, to, you know, to the to the haunted house in Scotch Plains, yeah. Hollingsworth. House. Yeah, yeah, he called. That's it. right, Hollingsworth House. No, I, I called the haunted house. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he had all his atoms, you know. I mean, yeah. his buddy. Who's his buddy? The kid he grew up with who used to help him Paulie. all the time. Paulie. Paulie. Who? The roadie, or? Yeah, the kid, the guy who. Or a bass player. 
Nah, I, for, I forget this guy's name. But when I walked in, he says to me, now, now, don't let this freak you out. It's a little bit like the Adams family in here. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm thinking, yeah, it kind of is. You know. And, you, had, and, you had a stuffed bear, too, in there. Right? Yeah. You had all kinds of shit. Yeah. I mean. We were, we were at his house for a concert. Yeah, I, I, met, I met his mother uh, just hanging out in the kitchen. And uh, oh, yeah. really cool conversation. Uh, she had just won the lottery, by the way. She just yeah. won, like. Nine grand? I don't know. Something. <laughs> it was, you know, you couldn't make this stuff up, you know? And then well, we went, that was during a lottery a then. What's that? She had just won the lottery then. Yeah. Yeah, that day she won. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's got, you know, she's got to be like 92 years old now or something. Yeah, or older. Man. Yeah. But. I mean, you know, wife, that one, nothing got, could kill her. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> wife got, um, Pat got mad at my wife because my wife sat out there the one concert we had been to a couple at his house, but she sat mm-hmm. out there the whole time talking to his mother and his mother wanted cigarettes. And I guess she wasn't supposed to smoke or didn't or quit smoking. My wife didn't know that. She's, she's feeding her cigarettes. She, I think she got, <laughs> Pat wasn't yelling or anything, but he gave her a little talking to, <laughs> cause she bought, my wife bought her cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Came back from oh, the yeah. oh, and her cigarettes. Oh, that's too much. It was, it was always interesting being around Pat. <laughs> well, uh, Jay, you guys sound great together on that uh, the Sellersville concert. Is that right? Am I right yeah, about did that? You? Yeah, that was, that was, oh, my God, that was something. Cause he, he only did one show. Is that true? Yeah, and that was, a, that was really too bad. You know, I mean, you know, and, but, you know, the good side, I mean, if, if there's an upside to anything, it's that, it's that they ended up, you know, when we did the solo record, it was kind of a, a, a bit of a down period for the smithereens. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say, like, in the next couple of years, you know, they, they came back pretty strong. Um, you know, they were, they did. you know, they, they were working more, you know, they seemed to be in a good, you know, in a good groove, in a good rotation. Meet the smithereens, um, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. And uh 2011 I think there was uh it was called 2011. Oh yeah. Yep, yeah. that was a great record. Yeah, that and, was I think, and, and I and I think um you know, it helped it helped them you know secure a position in which if they were doing, you know, 35 to 50 shows a year on the regular. Yeah. That yep. was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they play the same venues every year. But yeah, you got their regular customers. Mike you know? and I would go. Uh, we'd go to Falls Church because he he lived in Virginia. Now he's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and that Falls yeah. Church, that Falls Church venue, and is uh, is great. State Theater in Falls. We Church. We went there stops. ten years in a row, I think. Yeah. Uh, to see the smithereens. Because wow. you, you can sit, you can walk around, you can go to these uh, balconies or the side balconies, looking down. You you just you can move around. You're not stuck in your seat or something. It's a great great place. Yeah, I, I've seen yeah so. So they, times yeah, the smithereens. Yeah, so they, you know, they were doing, they were doing pretty well. But when we did, we did, we did the record, and 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 we did most of it in one day. Like I went, or maybe we did it. No, we did it in like, we did it in two days, and then and then we actually met at Rich Pagano from uh, the Fab Faux. We met it. We met at his studio to do some we had a couple more songs to do or something but we it was wild 
Um, you know, we did we did like twenty two songs, I think, wow. in two and a half there any in two and a half days, and we were arranging the stuff on the spot. Yeah, so you just just arranging it together impromptu. Yeah, it was wild. I didn't do. I think I probably played two takes of everything, maybe, hmm. and then Pat, of course. He redid his vocals. Not that he had to redo that much. I mean, when we when we did, I think Wichita Line Man mm-hmm. was the first thing we played. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, for 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 me, that was that was magical. That's what because yeah. because yeah, that was that was magical because you know here I am, you know, really getting to play with with somebody who's who's who, whose music i love you know somebody who i'm who, who i'm a, a a huge fan of and and to hear that voice of his you know singing wichita line man that was just amazing and, yeah. and then you know and then when we got to uh you know some of the ballads and stuff you know we were that was all over the map and that really showed pat's range as a singer you know how versatile he was and i think he there were a lot of things he didn't he didn't get to do you know with with uh the smithereens and um you know i mean i'm glad but i'm glad we got to do what we did because because you know it's still available and we can all still enjoy it i mean i still enjoy it right i put it on from time to time yeah yeah now is there is there a version of the album with the other songs that you record or did they were they not completed uh, oh no there is there there you can get you can find on apple itunes the whole oh okay three because it was three cds oh, wow. what he did was he we did we did like all the cover tunes and then pat had a whole cd of just him playing guitar and singing okay right yeah and then and then the third CD was called Smither Reinventions. It was Pat's title. <laughs> and, it was, and it was piano vocal versions of, of a bunch of Smithereens tunes. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. No. I remember that show was, I think it was, I want to say it was three hours at Sellersville. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I was there. My wife and I were there, and it's one of my... One of the best concerts. And it's a great recording, too. It's a, it's a clear, it's a really beautiful recording. I wasn't there. I didn't get to make that. That recording was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. You know, I, I didn't realize how, how good that, that piano sounded <laughs> and, how, and how it was fairly in tune. Yeah, no, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was, that, that was a wild day for me. I had, I had played um, a wedding by myself and i remember and i had this thing booked and i and i took the gig with pat and (laughs) it was i was really i was really on the edge because because i remember you know leaving milford connecticut at six o'clock and the show was supposed to start like at nine and i knew i knew i didn't have to bring anything but you know and, and what's funny is is as good as the recording sounds you know, it kind of puts puts it into kind of a funny perspective because for no sound check, you know, the recording wow. sounds really great. And and I remember getting there like five minutes before Pat went on stage. Pat went on by himself uh-huh. and then introduced me and then we played a few songs and, you know, and then I think 
there may have been some kind of intermission or something. And yeah, I think there was. Yeah. And we then we finished it out and uh Pat came yeah. Pat came out before the show started. Yeah, that's right. And I met him in the lobby. Yeah, and you're just and you're just getting there, Jay. Yeah, didn't want to look cool. in there to see. He's like, he's like, is there a lot of people in there? He's so <laughs> so concerned that people, I don't know that they weren't going to be there. Yeah, because yeah. it was a solo. I don't think he ever well, did. He did the small clubs as solo, but this was a big. It wasn't a huge play. I think it seats two hundred. Right, and and but. seeing the Smithereens repeatedly, you know, it's it's a four piece rock band hitting it really hard, rocking out as much as anybody could rock out. I mean, just you know, showing you a really good time. But I think you know him working with you at this show in Sellersville is a great example. Uh, you know, he might have been a little nervous. It sounds like of you know, is this yeah. going to work? <laughs> how is it? How is the public? Are they going to show up? Are they going to like it? The, you know. Yeah, right. That but was it was his, something different for him is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah, I think it's something really different for him to experience. He loved being on the stage. That was his. Yeah, yeah well, well, but that's, you know, I, I, I learned, you know, I learned a lot being around him. You know, he is, is, is you know, because I know you guys have experienced a number of the living room concerts and yeah. everything else. And part of his. His charm was all the, all the, and with a lot of musicians, you know, musicians, the longer you've been in the music business, you know, you, you can't help but have a ton of stories. Yeah. Um, because there's, there's always more that goes into um, the end result that people only see when they see a performance. Right. And it's, and it's, and, you know, if the performance itself is the story, there's the backstory that leads up to the performance mm -hmm. and and pat like had <laughs> had had those stories in volumes you know <laughs> uh, i mean he and 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 i certainly uh you know learned a lot in 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 the conversations i'd have with him and and he he really he would have actually loved. He would have been all over Facebook Live right now. You know, it's funny. I think, like, if if he was here, he would have set up okay, and and he would have, you know, he would have been on every night, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but would, that's because he he knew how to reinvent himself. I mean, when he did Confessions of a Rock Star, yeah, had that had a, had that show running at the Riviera for oh, six yeah. months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got a gig in Vegas. Yeah, and he, and he probably could have done it again. Yeah, you know, I mean, do you have you the? Know, do you have his book? Is no, that, no. That's great to just to hear his voice. Yeah, I I miss the guy. I miss him. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I I miss. Hey, listen, I I I really miss him. You know, I've I mean, I, I miss I miss I miss I miss the lost opportunity. You know, to do to have been able to do more. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think there's 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 stuff out there. You know, I mean, eventually, mm -hmm. I'd like to be able to use you know the experience mm -hmm. I had with Pat to to create a similar project. You know, with with uh, other other singer songwriters. Mm -hmm. You know, Is um, I think that's a good idea, Jay. I think it's a great idea. Is there anyone you'd like? Yeah. Like right now, you'd like to to work with anyone in well yeah i mean i mean at one point you know i mean before pat passed away i was really you know thinking about how i put this whole thing together and i mean i'd certainly involve pat 
you know, perhaps Marshall yeah. Crenshaw, you know, Marshall Crenshaw. I mean, I had kind of like a wish list. That was, <laughs> that was our last yeah. concert before uh, the quarantine with yeah. the smithereens with Marshall. Crenshaw. Oh, with, with Marshall. Yeah. yeah going, yeah. To, going across Jersey, actually, there was starting to take some precautions even. Uh, was it Montclair? Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting about Mark Marshall singing Smithereen songs now is that, to me, is is just how Marshall, you know, Marshall's range, is not the same. You know, I listened to the Marshall to the Marshall Crenshaw song, um, the the difference between us, and there's that that the bridge of that song where he goes up super high. I mean, and <laughs> I don't know what key he would have to put this song in to sing that now, yeah, you know? And I don't think he, I'd actually like, I'd like to like to get together with Marshall and play to try to help him, you know? <laughs> like to try to help him yeah. find new keys for his songs that were there, were there, you know, kind of delivered in the same way. Cause I mean, I listen, I love Marshall. But, but with all, yeah, with, with, all, with, all, with all due respect, I mean, you know, it's, it's, and you know what it happens to some singers when they get older, you know, they lose range. Yeah. yeah. You know, little Richard never lost his range. Out there and up there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think Steve Tyler's lost much. Range. <laughs> I, I think, wow. bon, I think Bon Jovi has. <laughs> but that's, but that's another session, right? That's another main event. Yeah. When we talk about Bon yeah, Jovi. We might have a yeah. Bon Jovi. Anyway. <laughs> that's right. All, all the Jersey guys. The Jersey guys. All <laughs> we don't out. like Bon Jovi. Well, no. that's that's putting We're it too plainly. Bruce, Bruce fans. Yeah. Oh, that that Bruce that last Bruce album. I love it. Yeah. And uh, we went to see the film as well, major motion picture. But yeah, yeah Western Stars is a great uh, Bruce Springsteen album. But anyway, yeah. let's yeah. let's let's talk about your uh, smooth jazz for scholars. Okay. And uh, for people who don't know, this is. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Annual two-day concert that benefits the city of Milford, Connecticut's public school music department. And yes. in its 18th year, is that true? Uh, well, if it, uh, if it actually happens this year, this will be year 18. Okay. Um, and you're we're, doing we're, um, one day, right? This, uh, we're doing one day. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, the, the shows that would have been May 1st and 2nd mm -hmm. are, are we're, we're, we're scheduled for, two shows on October 3rd. Yes. Okay. Um, and it turned out that I had to change venues. Um, and, and that's the reason why I put the two shows on, on, on one day mm -hmm. is it turns out, you know, there's, there's another promoter in town who does different shows in, in the room that I use. And it turned out that his October 2nd day that he said was booked was really only booked for the sound company to come in and set up the PA. Oh. You know, he calls that his setup day, but the only one who's setting up is him yeah. and the sound company. Yeah. So I said to him, I said, you know, well, I said, I got a problem because one of my artists couldn't make it on the third. And, you know, to avoid him having to give me back his deposit or for me, so I don't eat a deposit. I, I said, can you do the second? And he said yes. So yeah. if we actually have it, we're going to be having three shows, you know, one show on the second and two shows on the third. Okay. Wow. Um, you know, but of course, we're all, you know, everything that's going on now is still an unknown. 
Right. Tell me what um, it looked like over, over the years. This has been uh, over the 17 years you've done it. This yeah. been you and some other artists uh, performing together to benefit? We, yes. We usually, usually what happens is there's three to five smooth jazz artists on <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah. the bill at the same time. And it's, and it's usually, I mean, in the beginning, God, we used to have, well, I used to have four artists all the time, sometimes five. And, and it was almost like a jam. I mean, it was almost like this huge, it's not a jam session because we, we know what tunes were playing up right. front. But, you know, there were times where this show could go for three hours. Yeah. You know, now we pretty much keep it down to two hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting older and, <laughs> you know, we're all getting older. So what's your what's your connection with the uh, the support for raising money for the uh, the public school music department? Interesting. Yeah, originally yeah, originally when it when we when we started doing it, I I had envisioned putting the money towards aspects of music education that were a little more extraordinary, you know, like having visiting artists. Right. Doing stuff like that because that was really what had inspired me early on, you know, to, uh, to, to, to want to play music, you know, as a career and, and the whole, the whole visiting art, you know, to see, to see like, like, like an amazing artist come in and play and, and hear music in a way that you've never heard it before. Right. Right. As you a know, young person. Yeah. It's very inspiring. It can be yeah. very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so that, that was the initial goal. And so, in 2003, I was lucky enough to be involved with four different artists, right? Kelly Minucci and Special Effects, right? This other smooth jazz guitarist, Ken Navarro, and then saxophonist Marion Meadows, and then my old uh, buddy from New England Conservatory, Nelson Rangel. Mm-hmm. You know, I was involved with, with, with all of them. I was, I was, you know, playing live with, with special effects, Ken Navarro and Marion Meadows. And mm-hmm. then I was, I had written many tunes for Nelson Rangel and, 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 you know, so we were all, I could call those guys up and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm putting the show together. Would you like to do it? And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we set it all up like that. So that was, the, that was the first show in 2003 and lucky for for me it you know it went well and 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 at that point you know the profit was i gave like a little over a thousand dollars to each high school okay nice so and then the second year we did it um we did it in 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 a bigger auditorium you know same same lineup and then i gave the school system over five thousand dollars for the whole you know and the head of the music department at the time chose to start a music department activity fund right that that you know all the teachers could dip into when their annual stipend ran out Uh you know because they got like a stipend to buy sheet music like like the, the high school band director might get an annual stipend to buy her her music for the marching band or yeah, something. Yeah, four songs maybe or whatever. I don't or know. whatever the hell they got. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 then when that runs out, you know, they're done. Wow. You know, they get no money till the till the till the next mm-hmm. fiscal year rolls around. Right, right. Yeah. So 
you know, and the other thing, you know, with me, like, like in terms of fundraising in general, you know, there's a lot of fundraising that goes on, you know, in Milford, Connecticut and many other small towns. And, but, but beyond merely doing fundraising, you know, I wanted to create an event that the people in town who actually are fans of this music, you know, really, really appreciate. And, you know, and I also wanted it to be inspiring for other younger musicians because you never know what what five aspiring musicians you're going to reach, you know, each generation. And you hope that they'll have an experience growing up where if they become successful, you know, or when they become successful, they're going to want to, they're able to stay in their hometown and, and, and contribute. Mm-hmm. you know, give back to the community, kind of like, you know, kind of comes, it can come full circle in a certain way. Yeah. It's so know? important to inspire, inspire people when they're young and, you know, some, there's some missed opportunities by people not hearing or seeing or meeting a musician, you know, like yourself or, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's very important to the whole, uh, the, the art of music. Yeah. So, so that's, that's really where it all started. And, you know, we've done, we've done pretty well. I mean, I wish it's, it's a, it's a single event, you know, that happens over the course of two days. Yeah. It pretty much takes up, you know, four or five months of my time, not wow. 24, <laughs> not, not, not no. 24 seven, but, no, no, but, but that's a lot to, to plan ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a leisurely, hour and a half or so every day until we get into like the month before the show where tickets are selling at a faster clip and, and, you know, I'm learning music, you know, it's like I'm the promoter and the music director and the travel agent and, (laughs) you know, doing all that stuff to, to, to put this thing together. But, but it's been great. You know I mean? It's, 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 uh, it's it's been a win win for for me and and I think everybody involved. It's the shows become important in the Northeast because it's one of the few bigger shows that happens on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. So so you know like like the only other game and games in in Connecticut are the Brantford Connecticut Jazz Festival, the Hartford Jazz Festival. And then the the four concert uh, weekly series that yeah. happens in the fall, and then in the spring at Southern Connecticut College. Yeah. So if you're not playing in Connecticut on one of those shows, you know my my Smooth Jazz for Scholars really is one of four opportunities that these Smooth Jazz artists are you know are going to have to hit this market. Yeah. Outside of like. Outside of like Philly and Boston. Yeah. You know, Philly, New York, and Boston. Yeah. And it's just so great that you're doing something to give back and to inspire younger people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's something that's, I'm not going to say it's easy for me to do it. It's been easy so far. This has been the worst year ever. Yeah, with, you, know, you can't physically go. I can't physically go and, and, and listen and enjoy and be a yeah. part of the experience. Yeah. So you really- it's, I mean, this is really, this is, this is pretty bad what's happened to the, to the concert business. Yeah. You know, got to find a but way, got to find a way to come back. Yeah. 
So it'll, yeah, I think it's going to come back pretty strong when, uh, yeah, you know, once they find a vaccine and people, yeah. you know, know for certain that they can go out in public and and not have to worry about wearing a mask or not have to worry about being, oh, you yeah. know, close to somebody. I mean, I think it'll make people more careful about even coughing in public. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. It might make things different with, uh, you know, greeting people with the hug and the handshake. And, you know, I, I don't make a habit of kissing people I don't know. But, you know, the, the usual ways we greet people, I, I still like to give the nice handshake. And it changes. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah. any plans for uh, a new album? I'm working on I'm getting stuff together right now. Okay. Well, good. good. Yeah. Yeah, now I kind of have, you know, now it's like, you know, residual income is becoming one of the main sources of income. And the only way to keep residual income coming in is to have new product. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, now I have to do it. It's like, it's like, it's like the scene in Goodfellas, you know, where the, where the hell's ain't, where the, where the, where the, where the, where the bikers come into the bar, right? And, 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 and when they don't leave, you know, they lock the door and they say, now you just can't leave. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like I, feel, I, I feel like those bikers, you know, now you have to make a new record. <laughs> well, Jay, we're going to look forward to it. Yeah. Hey, we're getting near the, uh, getting towards the end of the interview uh, and, and, and your time today. Um, is there anything we missed? Anything uh, you want our listeners to know? Uh, what did we miss about Jay? Um, you no, we pretty much covered everything. But I, but let me just clarify. Okay. Let me just clarify a little more of my discography, just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So my my CDs um, that are available are 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 Jaywalking, right? Now that came out in 1997. Okay. Laugh Out Loud was 2001. Okay. Smooth Ride was 06. Um, Live at Daniel Street was 2011. And wait, did I say wait? Okay, let me do that again because now I get mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jaywalking <laughs> was 1997. Right. Laugh Out Loud, 2001. Red Hot and Smooth, 2006. Right. Live at Daniel Street, 2011, and then Smooth Ride, 2016. Okay. And I put out two singles this past year. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I did. The, I put the live album after. Yeah. I separated. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. Where can they find you? What's your website? The website's um, jromusic.com. Okay. My whole name spelled out, uh, then music, all, over, all lowercase letters, no spaces, um, jromusic.com. And, um, of course, I'm on Facebook. You know, I have a fan page on Facebook. And, uh, you know, my music's pretty readily available between Apple, iTunes, Spotify, even Slacker. Deezer, pretty much. Can they order uh, CDs from your website? Um, they can't. Yeah, they they can't. I think on my website there's a direct link. Okay. To CD Baby, although CD Baby's warehouse is closed right now. Oh mm. wow! You know, <laughs> but they can stream. I mean, if they want hard copies, they should. Yeah, it's um. I mean, if they send me an email, I'll get it. You know, jro at jromusic dot com. That's my other email. Okay. And, uh, you know, they can find it on, if, if they ask Alexa, most of the time Alexa will oh, play yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Although there's now the rapper, J-Row. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you got to deal with, I got to deal with J-Row the rapper. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was your new rap album. Yeah, and I, yeah, I started I listening to that too, but 
I stopped. And oh my couldn't, god! Couldn't Is that even a good rap record? I didn't. I don't. No comment. <laughs> no, listen, if it were, if it were like Jay Z or Kanye yeah. or uh, you know, N.W.A., you know, I'd, I'd I'd be honored, you know. But but it was like lame rap. Yeah, isn't that oxymoron? Good, rap? good. <laughs> I, don't know. I, you know, I like. I've grown to like. What, the only rap record I ever bought. Well, there, the only few rap records I ever bought. I bought. A, I bought Arrested Development. Oh yeah. Okay. Three yeah. three day. Uh, three days. Three nights. Whatever. Yeah, with Mr. Wendell on oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, and that's one of the least uh, favorite songs. There, there's some really good stuff on there. I love. Mama's it. always on stage. Mama's always on stage. <laughs> oh. Right. Remember that. I love it. Mom was mom was always on stage. That's a funny song. Oh yeah. And then I bought I bought Kanye's rap records because you know my buddy John Bryan produced uh, Kanye, which we were yeah. laughing when that. I, I you know I don't know if you guys are Amy Mann fans or I love it. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, of course, John Bryan. You know, really his his entree into everything else he does now was really through Amy Mann. Okay. Um, and uh, he and I grew up together, and and you know I've always followed everything that he's done, you know since he since he uh, moved from Boston to L.A. Huh. and uh, and and he produced Kanye, and Kanye even thanked him at the Grammy Awards. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool! So cool! And, that, and that, yeah, he did. That, that was before Kanye. I mean, and, and Kanye's whole thing. God, now you know with all his clothes and everything, and mm -hmm, I yeah. think he's more in the clothes. It, yeah, he's gonna have a big he's gonna have a big he's gonna have a Donald. Kanye might be the one guy, the one guy who has a Donald Trump sneaker. He loves Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't speak to that right now. We won't talk about hey, that now. Hey, talking yeah. about talking about rapping, and um, we used to get a laugh in the eighties uh, with the Beastie Boys. But uh, I remember the day that I was at a, a Plan 9 Records and bought the Beastie Boys, the In Music from Way Out. Are you familiar with that disc? No, no. I should check that out because I like the Beastie Boys. They were the only rock and roll rap band. Okay. Yeah, no, but this is all instrumental, all funky jazz. It's my favorite jazz, funky jazz. Excuse me. What's the name of it again? The In Music, the in music from Way Out. You oh my god. I played I played it for my friends and tried I said, listen to this, it's it's good stuff. All instrumental. They're all playing some some smooth just funky jazz stuff. And it's so good. You don't know it's the Beastie Boys. But I s I have I haven't found out that it's not. I mean I don't know how they played that way. But you've got to listen to it. You have to, and it's one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. The in music from way out. All right. I'm gonna it's I'm gonna French. check that the whole, out. The whole uh, the whole insert and everything is written in French. I just thought I'd share that with you because uh, you know I I like uh, I'm into Medeski Martin and Wood a lot of uh, a lot of funky jazz John Medeski oh they're great no I love them yeah and I in fact John John Medeski and I were classmates at New England Conservatory oh, I didn't know that so cool he's an amazing player I yes. mean he's their stuff is is it's it's really interesting for me to hear him in that context because he's John John was was probably is is you know accomplished a jazz pianist to say somebody like brad meldow or joey it, alexander or any of these people and like what and and what he's what he's done with this whole you know with the jam band thing that's to me kind of like you know modesky martin and wood is like 
Booker team EMGs with more drugs and a little more. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So I didn't, uh, yeah, didn't know uh, him being a jazz pianist, uh, you know, taking it to the, the keys in such a strange oh, yeah. way. Yeah, very. I saw them once live at a, in Harrisonburg, Virginia, I'm guessing 19... 19- 97 yeah uh which was weird because they came out on stage you know playing this uh you know half court uh you know uh, whatever where they play basketball they didn't i don't think they said a word they come out and played and they were done and that was it it's like you're not going to say anything (laughs) you're not going to even say hi to us so that was a little bit odd but um so yeah check out the the beastie boys and um you won't believe it and it's it's now what's this called again? I gotta write I gotta write this down. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> well when you when you uh yeah, when you look up Beastie Boys, it's a red, white, and blue on the cover, it's kind of a blurry picture, red, white, and blue. The in music from way out. In music from way out. Okay. In, and, yeah, okay. I remember that. It's just it's it's all it's it's hot. It's it's so it's so good. I'm gonna check that out right away. Well good. <laughs> in music from way out. Yep. So thank you, Jay. Uh, well, thank you, guys. This yeah. went well, man. Thanks so much for your time. It's great, uh, great talking about Pat, and great talking about what you're doing in the past and what you're doing now. And uh, just, uh, you know, just great to to talk with someone who's, you know, one at the top of the game with smooth jazz too. Well, thanks so much, guys, and uh, continued success with these podcasts. This thanks. is a, this is. I think these are all like a great source of information and entertainment at the same time so oh, yeah. we have fun doing it so. <laughs> all good <laughs> all right you take care and have a great day all right guys thanks all so right. much okay see you later so jim that was a great interview with oh, yeah. j row uh composer musician fundraiser all around great guy yes yeah that was it was great meeting him virtually us here in the studio and him there in milford connecticut and be sure to check out jrowmusic.com great all right i hope all the listeners enjoyed that interview we're going to just finish up here with some movie trivia yes you want to go first yeah i want to start it off uh you know i was going to give you the years for each one but let's uh yeah we're what are we reading from jim so this is um, Movie Mania, game of famous quotes and questions. So yes. I think we're going to do three of each. That's right. I was going to give you the years of each, but it, it's it's funny how it came out to be 80s. So oh, your okay. category is 80s movie trivia. Nice. All right. So first one here, uh, listeners, uh, we're also going to pause unless Jim just jumps on the answer here. Uh, in the movie Stand By Me. Yes. Which... <laughs> What was it that caused four neighborhood friends to set out through the countryside on an overnight hike? What was it? It was a dead body. It was the, uh, they set out to find a dead body. Yes. Yes, 1986. So, uh, yeah, you got it. And, uh, you know, last time we kept score, um, being the loser here, I don't really feel a need to keep score. But go ahead, Jim. What do you got for me? This is from uh, 1990. Mm-hmm. What was Andrew Dice Clay's first feature film entitled? Wow. Let's see, 1990. You know that I was out of the country oh, okay. uh, at the beginning of 1990. Sure, sure. <laughs> so I'm going to say, I'm going to say it was titled Andrew Dice Clay. No. Oh, it was The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Oh, yes, yes. I, I recall the film. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, 
I don't know if you've seen this one because, you know, you, it's not really what you're into, Jim, here. But uh, name the nerd who won the burping contest in the movie Revenge of the Nerds. The character name? Yes, character name. 1984. He won the burping contest. I know contest the movie, but I don't know. I, I didn't don't think, know it that yeah, it's, well. It's not, I didn't think it was your, your main. <laughs> I know there was a... I know Robert Carradine was in the movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, I was busy doing other things in 1984. As, as you were. You were busy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, oh. I think it's coming to me. Wait. Was his name Booger? Booger! Yeah, you got it. You got it. Okay. All right. I did remember a character from that. Yeah. One. So you just got two <laughs> in a row. Okay. What was the nickname given? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so funny, Jim? What was the nickname oh. given to the group of young actors who began their road to stardom by starring in Francis Coppola's The Outsiders? There was a name given to this group of actors at that time period. Well, I, I just and we're talking eighties. Yeah, yeah. I I I've heard of the Outsiders and I've not seen it. Um, which I know, Jim, you're shocked, right? Well, like um, here, I can okay. give you a hint. Like Emilio yeah. Estevez. I don't know if this will help. Yeah, you. yeah. Um, Judd Nielsen. Mm -hmm. They were. It was it was a pun on another group of people from the sixties that always performed together. So was it? It was kind of a take. On yeah. That. So so I'm gonna say um, that their group name was the Four Dots. No. Okay. It was the Brat Pack. <sighs> the Brat Pack. Like the Rat Pack. Yes, the yeah. Brat Pack. Yeah. Yeah. Should have got that one. All right. So I've got um, I've got zero. You've got two. But you know, this is uh, the points don't matter. Um, 80s film. In what movie does Dan Aykroyd play the part of an unwelcome brother-in-law who brings his family to a friend's lakeside vacation home? <clears throat> hmm. I'm not going to give you the year, even Dan though it's Aykroyd. 80s. Yeah. Brings his, uh, brings his family along, too. I'm going to go with The Great Outdoors. You got it! Three for three! <laughs> Good job, Jim. Excellent. Okay. The Great Outdoors, 1988. I'm going to give you a, a movie quotation because this question, I don't even think I would get. Oh, okay. Quotation then. Yes. All right. Here we go. Actually, no, no wait. I'm going to give you the... Uh... Well, give me, give me two. Give me a okay. bonus one then. Give, give okay. me one and then the other one. So Okay, I'm going to give you this movie right. quotation. Yeah. Here we go. Because if, if I get one, it's three to one, you win. That's if I, yeah. that's if I get one of these. Okay. So go ahead. Are you the gatekeeper? The gatekeeper. Yeah, I remember that. Um, what about it? That's the quote. What movie? Is oh, it's from <laughs> Ghostbusters. Right. Yeah. I think... okay. ah, excellent. Okay. Excellent. And now I'll give you a bonus. One. Okay. Okay. So this is my. This, if I get this one, you won three to two, and so that, that's that's okay. pretty. I feel good about that, Jim. Now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually be sad if you don't get this okay i'm gonna cry uh because it's from well it's a classic movie uh -huh. all which right. i love a good classic movie yeah yeah and it's one of the most famous ones okay all right give me hints that's good i'm thinking back okay what classic movie featured the word rosebud the most famous word in the history of cinema rosebud 
I'm just drawing a blank, actually. Um, Rosebud. Say that again. Say it again here. <laughs> what classic movie featured the word Rosebud, the most famous word in the history of cinema? I have absolutely no idea, so I'm going to say It's a Wonderful Life. Well, that's a good guess, but it's that's not it. No, what is it? Citizen Kane. Oh, okay. Yeah, Rosebud. And Rosebud, do you know what Rosebud no, was? No, I do not. Do you think it was a person? But it wasn't. It was a sled. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. spoiler alert. Ding, 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 ding. Now I know everything. I don't even need to see it anymore. All right, we thank you all for listening. It's been a great show. Uh, great to meet Jay virtually. Oh, yeah. And um, hope you got all six or seven of that movie trivia. Okay. We'll see you next time. Yes. Today's show was produced and edited by Jim Thatcher and Mike Rush. You can find Jim and Mike Talk on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and their host site, Podbean. Intro and exit music by the band 99%.